Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Believe in Fans Talk with TD. Yes, we are back for our third episode, our most exciting episode. Why? Because we have so much to talk about, man. Just beautiful things happening in the world of Miami Dolphins football. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot wait to open up this can. This is going to be an exciting episode for me. But before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. I've been thinking, where should I put my money with so many options from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props? BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, we are back. Episode three of the Believe in Fins Talk podcast with TD. Thank you once again to the Believe Podcast Network for believing in me. Man, these are beautiful times to be a Miami Dolphin fan. I know all the fans all around the world are excited right now. But, I mean, we got to also be honest. Fans are also in a place mentally right in the back corner of their mind saying, we've been here, we've done this. Show me something new. Show me something new. Now, I'm here to tell you why things are new, why this is a new era for the Miami Dolphins, but I'm also here to remind you it's not about the holistic past. We don't want to go all the way back into the past of the last 20 years and what we've been through. Man, we all know what we've been through in the last 20 years. Uh, We don't want to go that far back because those were different coaches, not as good as the one that we have now. Those are different players that never could seem to get it together. This is a whole new era of Miami Dolphins football. This is what we're going to rock with. This is what we're going to roll with. But When we go back, we don't want to go back far. We just want to go back to last year. I want to pick up where we left off last week, reminding everyone that last year they said that we would win one game, but we won five. This year they said that we would win three games, and we've already won three. Here we are with literally 10 games to go, and we're 3-3, three and three. we're 500 on the season with a rough start, which many people call our preseason. Nothing's wrong with that. I actually like that notion. That means we're warming up, we're getting hot at the right time, ready to go on a run, especially looking at our schedule coming up. But th- th- let, let this serve as proof to you all, ladies and gentlemen. Don't listen to these skeptics. Don't listen to these people that don't know football talking about the Miami Dolphins will win three games this season. Now, I know we got to get four before that sh- that, that's false, but come on, ladies and gentlemen. We're in a whole new era. Last week, there was this constant talk about oh the Miami Dolphins they're the same team as last year they haven't made any improvements and then we go beat beat up on the San Francisco 49ers on the road and you don't hear a word from anyone let this serve as a reminder that this team has turned the corner and we are headed in the right direction the progress has already been made we have already exceeded expectations especially the ones that we had last year 
So I don't want to hear that this is the same team as last year. I don't want to hear that we have made no improvements. We are primed. We are literally in the hunt to win our division. The Buffalo Bills, they went down versus the Kansas City Chiefs. They are now 4-2, and two, looking as suspect as ever. The, the New England Patriots, I don't even know what's going on in New England. It's just, it looks like they're about to head down a road. Uh, uh, no, not a road, but a train track of a train wreck. And the Jets, we don't even need to discuss after we just put up 24 points to zero against them. And we all know we should have had about 40 points. We'll talk about that a little later. But the only team that's on the rise and shining in our division is the Miami Dolphins. We are the only team that looks like things are headed in the right direction and promising. Buffalo, I continue to tell you they are not what people say they are. Uh, last year, old Buffalo was a playoff team. They're primed to win a division without Brady in the division. And I questioned everyone, who did they beat? They beat up on 10 teams that were at their worst point last year. So, no, I'm not giving Buffalo credit until they beat a team worth beating. They run up against Tennessee, a team worth beating, got demolished. They run up against Kansas City, a team worth beating, and they lose, really getting dominated the entire game until the end. So I'm sorry. Try again. The Patriots, again, I don't even want to talk about the Patriots. That's a train wreck. And listen, we can see that train wreck coming right down the tracks. The Miami Dolphins are poised and primed to win this division, ladies and gentlemen. We are now in the thick of the hunt, number two in the division. And if you look at our schedule coming up, we have the easiest, in my opinion, we have the easiest schedule in this division outside of the Jets coming up. It's our time. We can win this division. We're going to keep our eyes on the situation. But the good thing is right now the Miami Dolphins go into this week into a bye. We got two weeks to prepare for the Rams. Isn't it funny how the NFL works? We go on the road, destroy the San Francisco 49ers. And when I say destroy, that is an understatement, ladies and gentlemen. We go on the road and we destroy them. The very next week, the Rams played the San Francisco 49ers, and the Rams put up a whooping on, no, no, excuse me, the 49ers put a whooping on the Rams. And now we have two weeks to prepare for the Rams, and we get to watch them Sunday night. Yes, yeah, Sunday night football, Rams, we get to watch them. The Miami Dolphins should be prepared for this game. At home. At home. So the Rams also have to travel. We should be prepared for this game. Two weeks from now. So right now, what is the focus of the organization going into the bye? I'll tell you what the focus is, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, you have to understand that this is October the 20th. If I'm not mistaken, the first week of November is the trade deadline we got two weeks before the trade deadline so if there are going to be any trades made it will happen within these two weeks 
And we have to evaluate our roster and say, where are we thin? Where are we hurt? Is there an opportunity to make a move now? Is there a guy out there on an expired contract and the team's not going to be able to afford him next year, but we can bring him in and then we can potentially offer them their next deal? That's what's going to happen at this deadline. That's what happened every deadline. Who has a really good player on their roster that they know they're not going to be able to afford or who has a really uh, uh, above average player on their roster that's going to demand more money than they can pay? And teams, that's the bargain teams look for right now. So we look at our roster and we say, where can we get better? Now, I know some people say, hey, I want you to talk about the Jets game. Really? 24 to zip, pure domination. We're going to get to that game because it's not much to talk about outside of the last two minutes when Wonder Boy got in the game. Oh, I'm excited about it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to end the show with that. We're going to end the show on the highest note we can. And we're also going to talk a little bit about Fitz and that arm looking like it was just fading in that game as well. But I wanted to, I wanted to touch on the trade deadline. You got to evaluate the team and say, where can we use the help? Where can we surefy, solidify some of these positions? Because after this, there's no turning back. Trade deadline over. If you're poised to win this division, you're actually playoff contenders. If you make it to the playoffs, you you have just as much chance as anyone, but you want to go in prepared just in case of injuries. Where can we use the help? We already tried going to get Le'Veon Bell in the running back position. And I think the Miami Dolphins versus the Jets says since we didn't get Le'Veon, let's put more work on Gaskins, see if he can hold up. And this kid proved it. This kid came out there, ran the ball, caught the ball, ran the ball, caught the ball, ran the ball, caught the ball. Almost every single down, a huge chunk, and I love it. Great game, man. Miles Gaskins is our future. I've been telling y'all that for weeks but we will be pursuing another running back in free agency or the draft next year to compete with Gaskins and or be the guy, the main guy. And But Gaskins is still going to be on this roster as a part of our future, all right? Now, is there another running back out there? That's one area that the Miami Dolphins will be looking. Another area we'll be looking is potentially the tight end. Not for not because it's like a dire need, but with Njoku for the Browns saying that he wants to be traded before the deadline. All I could think about now, I'm not trying to stir up. Oh, are we getting in Njoku? Listen, I don't think we are, but but that's something that the Miami Dolphins should explore. All I could think about is Gronkowski and Hernandez minus the trouble issues. That would be in Joku and Jaseki, the future of the AFC East dominating tight ends. That's what has dominated this 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 um division for the last 20 years. It's been tight end play. That's been a huge problem finding the linebackers and the safeties to guard tight ends. And I'm telling you, if the Miami Dolphins upgraded and got in Joku with Jaseki. Man, this would be the best tight end group in the NFL, and we'd be feared by everyone. But that's wishful thinking. But I want to bring that out there because those are the type of moves Miami may be looking to make before the trade deadline. What else? Miami could also be in the market of bringing in another receiver. 
Now, the thing about the receiver, the reason why it isn't very likely to happen is only because we have a receiver that's basically on reserve right now that will be on the roster next year because their contract is guaranteed due to the COVID opt-outs. And he, when he comes back next year, you can almost say he has a guaranteed role, his contract. And that's Albert Wilson, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. His contract is guaranteed next year. He opted out due to the COVID situation. So his contract just pushes forward, and it was a guaranteed year. So know that. No Preston's probably going to be here. Know that Devontae is going to be here. There's three guys right now, and now you got Bowden and all those other guys in the mix. So if we do want another receiver before the trade deadline for this year, it'll probably be just for this year alone because we have a lot of guys under the books going forward. As far as the offensive line, I honestly don't see the Miami Dolphins making many moves. Unless they're getting a guy on an expired contract that they're willing to offer a long-term deal to either back up or replace one of the veterans we have on the line now. Maybe at the center position. Maybe at the left guard position. Not that we're getting terrible play in those areas, but it's just a simple fact that these guys are on expiring contracts and they're getting older and we are going to be looking to replace them at some point for the future anyway. So look for that to be something that the Miami Dolphins may consider. Now on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think they're going to do anything at the cornerback position. They feel good where we are. They're going to continue to develop Noah Igbenogamy. On the defensive line, we can always look for the Miami Dolphins to look for that pass rusher who can dominate a game. But they come a dime a dozen, so I don't look for them to actually make a deal. Who in this league right now has given up their superior defensive end? We tried to get Clowney last year, so I don't see that happening. Then you go over to the linebacker position. This is where it gets interesting. The reason why it gets interesting is because we're loaded at the position. But we also have a lot of injuries at the position. We went into the Jets game without Calvin Noy, and I said, it's okay. We got so many players at that position, you're not even going to miss them. That's not a knock on Calvin Noy because we're going to need him later in this season. And he'll probably be back after the bye. But during the game, we man, we were losing linebacker after linebacker. If I'm not mistaken, we had about three linebackers that got hurt in the game versus the Jets. Now, I don't know the severity of the injuries. We'll keep our eyes out on it, on, on, on the situation, and you know you'll get my updates coming up soon. But hopefully none of those injuries are serious. And if any of them are, they could be looking to bring in another guy. But I feel good at the position. It's one of those tricky situations. What do they think about the injuries? We got to hear more about the injuries before we know. But we got two weeks to decide. We got two weeks to make a determination. But all in all, this team is ready to go. Most of the moves that we'd make, if any, would be on the offensive side of the ball. And they're all future moves. They're not even moves for this year. Yeah, you can bring in another guy that's really good for this year, but they're all future moves. So if the Miami Dolphins aren't trying to make decisions on their future, then right now at least, then you can look for them not to be heavy players in the um, trade deadline period. But if they're going to look for some bargains and trying to find that guy for the future, then they will be players in the 
trade deadline period. So keep your eyes out for that, and you know you'll get the news here at TD um, Believe in Fins Talk with TD. Also, um, if you check me out on YouTube, you can check me out at TD Fins Talk as well. Um, we do daily streams over there as well. But make sure that you let your friends and family members know about this podcast because we want to make it the Miami Dolphins' number one podcast, all right? Now, moving along. Let's go backwards because I know this is what everybody's waiting on. They want to talk about the Jets game. How are we able to dominate the Jets? Listen, the reason why I'm not even excited and can care less about the Jets game because we all expected what happened to happen to a certain degree. The Jets are nothing to talk about. They're just a train wreck over there. I mean, it was embarrassing. Our di- oh, my God. You talk about one of the one of the easiest games the Dolphins have ever played, but I don't want to take credit away from the Miami Dolphins. It wasn't easy in the sense that uh, they laid down. I just really think our team is that good to where we shut them out. I literally think that we're that good to where we shut them out. We, we, we just shut them out. I need, I need, I need, I need everyone to understand that the Jets, although they're they're not a good team, in Week One versus Buffalo, they lost 20, 27 to seventeen. They put up seventeen points against the 49ers, They lost thirty one to thirteen. They still put up thirteen points. Week Three versus the Colts, they lost thirty six to seven. They still put up seven points. They at least got in the end zone. Against the Broncos, they lost 37 to 28, but they put up 28 points. Against the Cardinals, they lost 30 to 10. They put up 10 points. They still find at least a way to get in the end zone one time every week. And the Miami Dolphins shut them out 24 to zip. So I don't want to make it seem like, oh, we just didn't even have to play hard. We played very hard. We played so hard that we didn't allow them to get in the end zone once, nor get a field goal. So I don't want to diminish it because it's the Jets and be like, oh, it was easy. That's why it's the Jets. They, they're, still a team, they're still an NFL team that can score points. And my, the Miami Dolphins, listen, you can look at that win and say it was impressive because we shut them out. Not only did we shut them out, we virtually did everything in the first half. Like, like let's be honest, y'all. We virtually did everything in the first half because the second half, our defense picked up where they left off, showing consistency for two weeks straight. Since Byron Jones came back, by the way. Two weeks straight. But week three comes, and I really hope that they can maintain that into week four versus the Rams. But the offense, ladies and gentlemen, the second half was atrocious. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw an interception that should have never been thrown, number one. Number two, he started throwing misfiring passes, bad decision-making. It was just starting to look like a train wreck. And and let me tell you all, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably still going to be the starter next week, okay? I mean, in two weeks. I keep saying next week. I keep forgetting to buy, but two weeks from now. He's still going to be the starter. But but we got to take notice into what happened. 
Yes, he had an amazing first half throwing to wide open receivers all over the field who made who made his day real easy. But that second half was embarrassing. And let me tell you, Brian Flores did not want to put put Tua Tungavaloa in the game. He's been telling us for weeks now he sees no benefit of putting Tua in the game. He sees no benefit just to get him a few reps. No, it's not something that I've thought about doing, nor do I think I'm going to do. That's what Brian Flores said. That's what Brian Flores has been saying. It's not something he's thought about doing, nor does he want to do. He doesn't see the benefit. But what made him all of a sudden put Tua Tungavaloa, which we're going to talk about that too, into the game? Because Ryan Fitzpatrick had a... MVP type first half, and he comes in the second half and erase all of that. He erases it so much to that if you're a real Dolphins fan and you watch that game, you can agree that it almost got embarrassing. It was almost like you need to save face. If you're going to continue to start Ryan Fitzpatrick, you need to pull him now because he is playing so bad in this second half that it's going to skew people's opinion greatly and you don't want uh, uh, you don't want other teams taking notice of the the bad performance that he's putting out on the field in this second half and a lot of people are questioning does Ryan Fitzpatrick still have the arm strength to last a full game if he has to throw the ball a lot i mean it was bad guys in the second half and honestly I was sitting there in the back of my head saying, man, this is a time where you actually pull Fitz because you need to keep him in a good graces with the fan base. And he's going to lose some of the fan base right now if he stays in this game because this is not looking good. We're dominating in this game, and we should probably be up 40 to zip, but we can't seem to execute because he either turns the ball over or makes bad decisions or bad throws. It got that bad. So Brian Flores, being the smart guy that he is, and it was wise of him to say, Fitz is going to be our starter versus the Rams. I got to pull him now before too many people don't have faith in that. In comes Tua Tungavaloa. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Tua Tungavaloa gets his first opportunity in the NFL to play on the field. And what does he do on first down? He hands the ball off. It was the best handoff I've ever seen. <laughs> and second down, we got a play action. The pressure's coming in his face. Two defenders trying to get a safety. He throws to his outlet for one yard out of bounds. And Patrick Laird, and it's so funny, Patrick Laird made a joke. He said, when I caught that one-yard catch out of bounds, the crowd went crazy. I guess I'm a fan favorite. <laughs> I like that one, man. But listen, the set, the third and and the third and seven came, and Tua dropped back to pass. He actually made a few reads, y'all. That's been my criticism of Tua talking about Lloyd. Is he gonna be able to read the defenses? I can't wait to see him play so much more, so I can really evaluate his game on the next level, the NFL level. And I saw him read like he literally hit his third read. He looked, he looked, he's pro he's moving through the field. And then he goes to his outlet in Jakeem Grant for the first down. And it was a bullet pass, beautiful pass, straight to his guy. And it was a first down. And then he hands the ball off twice, I believe, to end the game. 
and we got a Tua Tungavaloa sighting. Now, here's the issue. Here's the issue. I loved that Tua Tungavaloa got the opportunity to play. It was a beautiful thing for the Miami Dolphins fans. We got a two-week bye. I need people to take notice of what's going on with Ryan Fitzpatrick. A guy who's having a heck of a season, beautiful season, but you can see the flaws, you can see the woes. You can see them. So with that being said, I don't want to make a controversy here and be like, come on, you already know. But I'm going to say this. There is a 10% chance that for the Rams game, we could actually see Tua Tungavaloa on the field starting. Now, I said 10% chance because I don't even believe it's going to happen, but some things are storylines. And when you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, this coaching staff has to really evaluate why is it that sometimes late in games, his arm just doesn't survive. His arm just doesn't survive. So it really brings us to the real question. Is Tua Tungavaloa ready? Does Brian Flores feel like Tua Tungavaloa is going to be our future quarterback and he's a great quarterback and he's ready? The reason why I ask this is because if he is, what bothers me is the fact that he should be able to perform better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because if he's not able to perform better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, given what we see in Ryan Fitzpatrick with the inconsistencies, then we should be concerned. So if Tua is the future and we know that he's getting to the point where he may be able to perform better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, then maybe he needs to carry this team going forward on the journey to the playoffs. Now, I have to tell you all, it's not, first of all, it's not going to happen. Second off, I think that we can survive even with Ryan Fitzpatrick's inconsistencies and do some special things this year. But mock my words, Ryan Fitzpatrick is who we think he will be. Although the matchups that we have coming up are against teams that aren't having don't don't they just don't have the greatest record. But the Rams, that game is not going to be just this pushover. The Chargers, although they keep losing, they're not losing by much. They've been a very competitive team. Did you see what Kyler Murray did last night against the Cowboys? That kid is something. Listen, that's Josh Josh Allen 2.0, especially with his legs. So in order for us to win these games that we know we can win, there, one thing's going to have to take place. We're going to have to have mistake-free football. Now, I'll ask all you Dolphin fans, do you feel comfortable that Ryan Fitzpatrick can provide mistake-free football? And there lies the issue. Many don't. 
And if we're going to have a quarterback that's making mistakes anyway and causing us, and you know, I, I don't want to put everything on Ryan when we lose, but being a part of the reason we lose, then why not let the rookie make those mistakes? That's my true sense of the matter. I think that that was a perfect opportunity to usher in the Tua Tungavailoa era. There's no concern about his injury. There's no concern about that hip. Otherwise, if there were, they wouldn't have put him out there doing trash time to risk him getting hurt. The kid ran for his life on the second play when he threw that one-yard pass. Two defenders coming in heavy on him. He could have gotten hit after the throw. Luckily, he got rid of it quicker than than that threshold. So I don't want to hear anything about, oh, well, we don't want him to get hurt. Because if we were really concerned about his injury of the past, then he would have never played. He would have never been on that field. It would have been, and, and, and that's why I understand what Brian Flores says now. Tua Tungvaluwa is our number two quarterback. He is our backup. They don't have any injury concerns. It's just a matter of best quarterback is going to play. Whoever gives us the best chance to win. And that's the only concern that I've always had this year is the fact that with Ryan Fitzpatrick, with his inconsistencies, and in my opinion, he's a very good quarterback, but just too inconsistent and also turns the ball over at times. If he gives us the best chance to win, then what's going on with Tua? And I want to believe that Tua gives us the best chance to win at this point. But, hey, we got to sit back. The coaches, we, we trust that they're making the right decision. And time will tell. Time will tell us everything we need to know in that regards. But like I said, ladies and gentlemen, keep your eyes open. I would not be surprised that it versus the Rams, Tua Tungvaluwa may actually be our starting quarterback. I give it a 10% chance, but 10 is better than zero. Because if you're looking for the perfect time to make the switch, why not now? He got his first touch against the Jets. He has two weeks to prepare for a home game. Why not now? This would be the perfect time. But time will tell. Again, I don't think it's going to happen, but this would be the right time. But once again, ladies and gentlemen, with our upcoming schedule, we got a chance to do something special. Right now, it's not about just getting to a certain number of wins. It's about staying in the hunt. Right now, if the playoffs started, we'd be on the outside looking in in the hunt column. But we're not far. Remember, there's no longer six teams for each division going to the playoffs, or each conference, excuse me. There's seven. There are seven teams going to the playoffs now. So the lucky number is about nine wins where you want to be to have a good shot of making it. Doesn't mean you're guaranteed, but nine wins is that threshold where you want to be. We got six wins to go to get to that area in 10 games. We have to end the season above 500. We can't be five and five. 
We have to in the next six games end above 500 at a minimum six and four. That would give us a nine and seven record. Nine and seven. But if you really want to make the playoffs, you got to win seven of the next 10, seven and three. Seven and three. A lot of games that you can definitely win. And the reason why I feel so confident about us winning these games, it's simple. Our defense, our defense is flying all around the field. Xavier Howard has returned back to form. No, no, no. See, no, no, he hasn't returned back to form. Xavier Howard is better than he's ever been. I don't want people to get it all twisted. This is not the old Xavier Howard. First of all, he's on pace to get more picks than he's ever gotten. Second off, his coverage skills has improved mightily. I have been studying his film for several years now, and Xavier Howard had some flaws in coverage. He has always been praised for his ability to make create turnovers. But his coverage was spotty. And now in the last three games, I'm seeing a guy who is locking down his guy. And even if his guy catches a ball, he's tackling them right away. That is a win for a defender. You're not going to always stop the stop an offensive player. Xavier Howard is playing the best football of his career in the last three games. In his entire career, ladies and gentlemen, yes. So he's not back to form. He's better than he's ever been. We've never seen this Xavier Howard. Trust me. I would not be shocked if Xavier Howard doesn't end the season with about eight or nine interceptions. Yes, I said it. Definitely a pro bowler at that point and might even make first team all pro. Byron Jones on the other side locking his guy down. Barely can even get a completion against him. And with those two on the boundary, the defensive line and the linebackers are starting to tee off on quarterbacks and get at them. Two weeks in a row, we've given quarterbacks just H-E double hockey sticks. We've given them so much of just chaos. And what you have to attribute that to is the ability to cover in the secondary where a quarterback is looking and looking and looking. No one there. Oh, and the sack comes. We're so used to a quarterback dropping the pass, first or second option open, bam, got him. And we cried. We need more pressure. That's the problem. A lot of times it's not the pressure. It's the fact that we didn't have the ability to cover in the secondary. Now that we're covering in the secondary, nobody's complaining about quarterback pressure. There's a reason Mahomes barely gets sacked, because he gets the ball out quick. You got to be able to cover receivers so the quarterback has to look at a few extra progressions for your defensive line and your linebackers to make plays against the quarterback. That's what's happening. 
this defense has been flying all over the field. Not only have they been flying over the field, we have improved mightily in the run defense. I'm still not sold on the run defense, but we have improved mightily. I can't wait to go up against a powerhouse run team, and that's going to be a test for us. So, yes, we've improved in run defense, but I still want to, want to see a little more. But, ladies and gentlemen, the reason, the main reason for our success has been the defense. You have to understand that the defense has given the offense more opportunities as well. The defense has created a lot of three and outs. This is the best defense we've had in a very long time. And this defense can carry us to the playoffs. We just look for, look for them to continue where they left off, and we just cross our fingers that we can stay healthy. That's all it's about. I'm excited about this team. And ladies and gentlemen, I know we've been here before. We've done this before. And, we, and, you know, usually it turns out to be the same old Dolphins. But I urge you all, let's have faith this time. Let's believe just like they believe. They're out there having fun, jumping all over the field. Let's believe. Let's believe. Let's believe. And Finn's talk with TD. Thank you all for tuning in to episode three. Come back at the end of the week. You know, I'm going to try to drop a, a little bonus episode on Friday. I appreciate everyone's love and support. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Rate the podcast a five if you like it. And share the podcast with your friends and family members and all the Dolphin fans that you know. We're doing big things over here. Believe in Fans Talk with TD. And thank you to the Believe Podcast Network once again for giving us this opportunity. You have just heard episode three. Let me know what you think about it. Love y'all. Y'all be safe. Believe in Fence Talk with TD. Peace. I'm out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.